Tejon Graham. Unfortunately for this episode, my boy Jason could not make it, but hey, last season I did like four or five episodes by myself, so not a problem. I'll hold it down for both of us. But today we got a great guest. Um, he used to go to Nipissing. He's currently up in Germany right now playing professional volleyball, so really excited to have him on. Please welcome to Lakers Locker room, Cameron Branch. Cameron, how are you doing today, my man? I'm doing really well. I'm super excited to be, you know, be here today to speak with you about, you know, whatever that may be. And, you know, I've seen, you know, a lots of, lots of everything on Instagram and you interviewing many people, many athletes, and you know, it's a great thing that you have going. So I'm very excited to be a part of this as well. And thank you for coming. I know right now you're up in Germany right now, which is a six hour difference, which is crazy. So I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to come talk to me today. So thank you so much. You're welcome, man. How did you personally handle quarantine? What are some things that you learned about yourself that you're going to take with you moving forward? Yeah, I think, you know, I think, you know, it's, this has been you know, really difficult for most of us and, and definitely tested who we are as individuals and, and how we respond to adversity. Um, on a personal note, um, you know, I usually, no matter if it's a rainy day, if it's a Sunday day, if it's COVID, um, I like to, to do things that are going to help better me. And so, you know, I still was, you know, engaging in a regular exercise routine. I was still trying to eat, you know, healthy, nutritious foods um, and, and, you know, trying to stay connected. You know, obviously we couldn't stay connected face to face for some time, but um, reaching out to people via, you know, Instagram and things like that um, really helped me to stay both mentally and, and, and physically uh, healthy. And so, you know, exercise, nutrition, as well as maintaining social connection was really, really important for me uh, to overcome this pandemic. Mm -hmm. As someone who has studied health and um, exercise psychology, it's safe to say that just looking at social media, a lot of people obviously took a mental health hit due to the pandemic. You know, a lot of people that are really accustomed to certain stuff, whether it's going to the movie theaters, just going out, working out, all, a lot of people were affecting different ways regarding mental health. Now, as someone who's really studied in that field, would you say you personally had issues with your mental health or you were able to thrive um, through the pandemic? There is definitely like ups and downs to it, right? I felt that, you know, there was some, you know, from a, from a, from a more positive light, I think that it allowed me to um, explore things that maybe I wouldn't have explored um, in, in, in previous pandemics, such as, you know, walking. I was walking all the time and really just embracing that and, and going out and, and being in North Bay, right? We still were able to use some of the, some of the uh, trails that North Bay has, that, that the city of North Bay has. And so I really in, enjoyed just engaging in low intensity exercise opposed to um, what I'm used to and you're used to is going to a gym and you know, lifting really heavy weights and so forth. So I found a lot of joy and walking and just calisthenic workouts with my body weight and things that I had around the house. Um, and also, you know, uh, on the other side was, you know, there was definitely some times where I was really missing my family. I was missing my friends, um, missing going out and, and having a, a good time with, um, you know, just going to a, a nightclub or just having um, some of that more face-to-face -face social interaction um, and really, everyone's days look differently. And so, um, you know, in the field that I'm in, a lot of, a lot of my um, associations are face-to-face -face with personal training. And so I had to move a lot of my work onto online. And so we had to navigate through what that looked like and, and try to um, figure ways to still keep people engaged uh, in health and exercise um, by providing virtual training programs as well as nutrition education. And so, despite this pandemic, I was still able to, to remain, you know, 
to overcome adversity and remain resilient um, by finding different avenues um, online. I think that's the thing that it really comes down to. I think it really just comes down to perspective. You know, a lot of people, like I said, like some people thrive through quarantine, some people struggle through quarantine. I think the simplest way to put it was just finding the positive in the situation. Like a lot of people took the opportunity, hopefully, to, you know, find something that they can be better at, take the time to self-reflect and say, okay, what I got to do to be a better person, be a better athlete, be a better painter, writer, whatever the case may be. So I'm really fortunate that I had that opportunity from my end to like really see what I can do to become better. Um, and I'm just, I'm just hoping that moving forward now that a lot of people were able to take this quarantine and pandemic to really put things into perspective, like I said at the beginning, because I think that a lot of people got really comfortable in the situation. I think a lot of people were comfortable with the stuff that's going on in their life, the stuff that's going on in society, and that we saw with obviously all the stuff that happened last year, that there's a lot of things that need to be improved. Um, the question I have for you is, you know, what's the biggest thing that you learned? Or actually, my real question is, what's now that the quarantine hopefully is ending and you're moving on, what's something that you really you probably took for granted before that you'll never take for granted again because you had this time to, you know, with the quarantine, maybe has, it's been taken away before? I, I really, I, I would like to, I think the biggest thing was just the, the social interaction component uh, of, of being able to be with friends and gather in, in, a, in a social group setting. And so, you know, one thing that I really enjoy, um, and this comes from my nutrition background, is, is getting together with people over food and just being able to have like a potluck type style of dinner. And so that was one thing that, you know, that made me realize um, that I really missed that. And I don't ever want that to end again. Um, because food brings people joy and happiness. Right. And, um, and so that was tough. So I think, you know, that might be really different than someone else's perspective. But for me, I think that uh, that that way that played a big or took a big toll on me and my, I guess, mental health. For sure. Like I said in the intro, right now, you're currently in Germany playing professional volleyball right now. So obviously, you at the time of this recording, you just got there not too long ago. So how has the adjustment been so far, you know, going back to Europe, the scene, practice, all that? How's it been for you? Man, so I, I think, you know, I decided that in 2020 that I would stop my professional volleyball career and pursue, uh, you know, my passion in health and exercise psychology, but, uh, and complete my master's. Um, but during that, you know, that month and a half or that year and a half, I was just like, I need to compete. I need to, to play volleyball again. And so um, being back here for, you know, this week and a little bit has just made me realize how much I missed the game and, and how motivated I am to, to, to be back here and how, you know, privileged I am and grateful that I have this uh, opportunity again. Um, and who knows, I might not be here in this situation if COVID did not exist, right? right? So, um, you know, I was able to stay in shape over COVID. I was able to maintain a high level of volleyball IQ, um, which gave me this opportunity. So I'm very grateful, very excited for the season. I've met most of my teammates and it has seemed, you know, very, very nice, uh, very uh, accepting and encouraging. Um, and the community as a whole um, is very volleyball oriented. So um, I think we'll have a really good social support here uh, in Chutor. For those who, like myself, is, I'm, I'm currently in university. And for those who are trying to aspire to be professional, so this is not just a volleyball question. This is a very generic question. Based off your experience and obviously playing professional for some time now, what advice would you give for someone who's currently in university who is aspiring to make the pros in terms of the successful transition in terms of, you know, it's whether, you know, preparing yourself mentally, preparing yourself for the game, you know, the schedule. I'm pretty sure when you graduate from university and you go to, you know, playing professional basketball, volleyball, soccer, it's a whole different lifestyle. So some people take time to 
adjust to and some people take or adjust right away. So just based off your experience, what are some advice you'd give for current student-athletes university looking to make that successful transition into professional, whatever sport they play in when it's done? I wish I had one answer for you, Tejan, and that I could just say, okay, do this and you'll be here in my shoes. But Give me a couple. I think that, couple. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I really think that it's a multifaceted, you know, answer. And, um, and so, you know, in simple forms, I think that, you know, if, if I could speak about nu the nutritional aspects, so, you know, making sure that we're eating some good quality food and, you know, and, and every, you know, I like to speak about, everything in moderation. So yeah, it's okay if you want to go to McDonald's on a weekend once per month or whatever, just every, it all fits in there. Um, just, you know, not trying to eat McDonald's every single day for, you know, 365 days of the year. Right. Um, and so, so, so look at your nutrition, make sure you're eating some good quality foods. Secondly, I think, you know, tapping into some of those mental skills, training components. So one thing that I really like to do is um, just diary and, and, and like have a journal and I, and I do like a daily journal practice and I write down what I'm grateful for and things that I want to do um, such as goal setting. So I have like daily goals that I'd like to set. And, and also you can have seasonal goals and things like that. Um, so nutrition, mental skills, also just um, from more of a, from a sports specific perspective is, is make sure that you're learning the game. Um, and, and, you know, looking at video and analyzing your own video, other people's videos and, and making sure that you're, you're trying to study the game, not just play it. I think that's a really, really big component. Um, and the fourth thing is have fun. I, I find that I think a lot of us put too much pressure on ourselves to, to reach a certain level. Um, and then we don't, we take away, uh, we kind of forget about, you know, that we have the privilege and the opportunity to play a sport, Right. Um, we have the, you know, the opportunity to play at, you know, an OUA, whereas, you know, a lot of people in other parts of the world don't have this opportunity. And so, you know, take it as, um, take it as a, you have a privilege, you're able to compete with some of your best friends on the court, on the field, on the ice. Um, and my, my philosophy goes back to when, you know, when I'm struggling and things like this, or I'm having a bad game or just a bad month in general, I look back to my high school career when it wasn't all about stats and statistics and making it to the next level, but it was just about having fun with my friends and, and trying to win and doing the best that we can before it gets, before we complicate it, right. Before it got complicated with the OUA sport. So um, fourthly is just really have fun. Um, and those are some of the key things that I think about um, and, and kind of what I would say to the up and coming next uh, generations of, you know, potentially professional athletes. Um, and, and the last thing, just to close this question off, is I think that there is also a, a preconceived notion that professional sports in Europe is better than OUA sports. This is not to say that the level is the same, because in, when you're, the, the level is definitely different in Europe compared to um, the OUA. But I think that from an organizational perspective, that in the OUA, Universities have a lot more resources, such as access to athletic therapy. They have top-of-the-line gyms and facilities, uh, strength and conditioning rooms, change rooms, things like that. Whereas in Europe, some of the clubs, and depending on the level of the league that you are, don't have that much access to those resources. Okay. So for, for those athletes that are thinking that it's green on the other side, it might not necessarily be in that to really embrace the OUA experience because 
that is quite professional when comparing some of these professional organizations in Europe compared to Canada and the USA. Right. Mm -hmm. I definitely want to touch on something you just said, because this is something I thought about too. Now that I'm in my third year of my program at Nibisync, being on the men's basketball team, I've taken the opportunity, like we said in the first topic about quarantine, to really see what I can do to get better. And one of the things I realized was that you really got to turn your lessons, your losses into lessons. So basically all the stuff that I did my first year that I did wrong, I'm hoping to give that to the young person, excuse me, the young people on my team. One of the things that you said that I've been thinking about too, is like you said back in high school, where you just said, just have fun. And it really think it really thinks contributes to what I would have been thinking to myself in terms of some of the things I would tell the new guys is basically three things to be successful, you know, student athlete, work hard, enjoy the process, but most importantly, always put the team first. Because a lot of people can go on bad teams, put up a lot of stats, and then you can go on a good team, you have come off a bench, be a team player, and then you have a chance to win championships. Like, which one do you want? So I feel like a lot of, I feel like that also can attribute to, you know, being a successful professional athlete too, in terms of just having to understand that it's not always about you. Like you might be great at this level and then you might need to go on a level and you start from zero. Like another mm-hmm. mistake that I made my first year was that I came into, I was 19 years old. So coming from high school and, you know, winning two championships in um, high school and coming playing prep for a year, I wasn't trying to, but looking back and I realized I kind of came in a little bit entitled thinking that, you know, I deserve to play, you know, I'm this, I'm that. And then I came to university and I realized that, you know, a lot of, there, there are guys ahead of you for a reason, right? Like you can't just come in here and take the top spot, think you're this, think you're that. Like you have to start from zero and work your way up. It's kind of the same thing mm-hmm. when you go to professional, right? Because a lot of people in their last years can, you know, use sports player of the year, defensive player of the year, whatever the case may be. Then when you, once you go to professional level, like that doesn't matter. Like you're starting mm-hmm. from zero, like all these people that are on your team, were the best at wherever they would be. So I just really mm-hmm. think that's a point that I think, and you can probably test this too, like once you come to a new level, you have to have the mentality that you started from zero. Like who cares about your stats? Who cares about your, you know, uh, I'm looking for the word right now, what's the word? Who cares about your resume? Because once you get to a new level, you start at zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just have, so I, I like I'll touch on the, the being the good teammate aspect I think that's incredibly important and I'm happy that you came to realize that I think that even like a lot of athletes in your position um, uh, don't realize that till much later in their career or uh, maybe even when they're 30 or 40 when the whole experience is over and done with <laughs> yeah. and you already and you, and you have some years of eligibility left so you know taking that into consideration and and, and really I think you know Eric Young my, as you know my former coach at um, Nipissing University one of the biggest lessons he taught me is that, um, you know, I don't think that your teammates are going to remember that three-pointer you made to win the championship, but they're going to remember how you made them feel during that championship game. Were you uplifting? Were you energetic? Were you being supportive? I think that pays more tribute to, you know, being a good teammate than per se just putting stats on the board or something like that. And I think that if we go back to this whole thing about social connection and being supportive of one another, that's going to mean more to somebody than, like you said, winning a championship, winning a game, winning an MVP, right? It's the social interaction that really matters in this life, at least from my perspective. Um, And I'm sure you maybe, you know, see the same eye to eye on that, on that philosophy as well. 1000%. So you touched on it, but just now, but, you know, you went to Nipissing. I think you went, I think researching, you went there from 2013, 2018, if I'm correct, right? Those five years? Yep, exactly. You, when, you, when you look back at your time at Nipissing, what do you look, what do you, what resonates with you the most? Is it, you know, the community? Is it the experience? Is it the locker room? Like when you look back at your time at Nipissing for you personally, what comes to mind? 
honestly, everything positive. Obviously, you know, there was some, you know, maybe I had a bad season or, you know, I had some, some life lessons that I learned. But when I look back from a global perspective, um, I, I think nothing but positive thoughts. Um, I had an incredible experience in, that, in the classroom. Um, my professors were all super supportive uh, of me as a student and as an athlete. Um, this, my teammate, uh, my team, my teammates, my coach, my head coach, Eric Young, um, uh, was phenomenal. The culture there at Nipissing Lakers men's volleyball is, is fantastic. Um, and, you know, I just wish the best. And, you know, I'm always maintaining connection with, with my teammates, uh, you know, the alumni, as well as still maintaining uh, a role within the Lakers men's volleyball as a, as a nutritional coach and, and doing some strength and conditioning liaison. So, and, and also with the, you know, being a graduate, you know, a previous graduate student and always making sure um, that everyone's okay in that program and always reaching out to, you know, first and second year students to see if they need help or anything like that. So, you know, because I had that going into Nipissing and all through my five years, other people looking after me and making sure I'm okay. Now I'm just continuing that kind of that role. And, and now people that are, you know, I guess younger than me, first and second, third year and so forth, I'm reaching out to make sure that they're okay. If they, you know, it's just like, I feel like it's just this positive environment at Nipissing right. and it's just a really safe community. Um, and, and something like this podcast, right? You know, this is something that's growing and I think it's going to, it's a really something added value to Nipissing University and it, and it creates that more of that sense of usness and we-ness right. uh, in this small, tight-knit community. And so what you're doing with this podcast I think is bringing people closer together than um, uh, than previous years. I mean, Nipissing. Um, I'm not trying to say that Nipissing was was far apart in any capacity, right. but I think this is just helping us form that identity um, uh, even greater. So, yeah, yeah, and I and I really appreciate doing this podcast because it really I've seen like the positive reaction from it because sometimes I'll I'll think to myself like dang did, did I really do a good episode are, are people really interested and then I'll hear people say you know hey that was a really good episode or, hey I really enjoyed this person and even though Jason's not here but me and Jason talk about it all the time like the point of the podcast was really or taking over the podcast was just really have top of working conversations like this like you know obviously it was a pleasure to meet the guys that did you know ran it previously and obviously now that they're gone so I really wanted to make sure and Jason included that when we took this over that we really wanted to take it to the level. So hearing you say what you just said really shows the appreciation because it shows that we're doing exactly what we set out to do, which is take it over, have thought-provoking conversation, invite anyone on who has a story, and just the most important thing to me, like how we're doing right now, is just I want you to be comfortable. Like, I don't want things to be sugarcoated. I don't want people to think that they have to walk on eggshells. Like, if you have a story, please say it. Like, I'm not... I'm not going to cut you off. I'm not going to say you're this, you're that. Like, and I really appreciate you saying that because it just really confirms, you know, exactly what we're doing. Oh, appreciate Absolutely. Appreciate that. So staying on the topic, we talked about this last year on our senior send-off series. When you were coming into your first year of university to, you know, the last day, your last game, when you have senior send-off, uh, your senior your senior night, that's a really big transition from your first year to your last year, you know, being from 19 to 24, 18 to 23, wherever the case may be. From your first year until the day that you left Nipissing, what would you say was the biggest aspect of your life that you really evolved as a person? Um, I think that if the one word to describe my transformation would be confidence. Um, I think that coming into my first year, I really lacked in, in many things. I think we all kind of, you know, you're, you're, you're starting to learn who you are as a person and things like that. And, and one of the biggest things coming out of high school into university is I didn't really know who I was. And, you know, as 
really inconfident. I, I didn't really know how to speak in front of crowds. I really didn't know, you know, how to. So I think that is the biggest thing that I learned was just how to be confident and, and yeah, be confident and, and really work, but confident, but I worked for it. Right. I wasn't just cocky. I had to work right. for, for that. Right. And so what I meant by that is, you know, studying very hard for my tests and being a good academic, being a good student, working hard to, to receive accolades by, you know, putting in hundred percent in the weight room and in practice and so forth. Um, and, and that ultimately led me to be confident. And that was, and, and also with the master's work, the reasons why I wanted to pursue a second, you know, farther education with a graduate degree was because I still wanted to be more confident when developing presentations and being able to read research articles and so forth. So I, I just think this has been a huge journey of, of building confidence. And I think that's what really university is. I think that it helps you become confident in, in your field of study, helps you to become a confident teammate, friend, um, you know, professional at the end of the day. Um, and, and so I think that for those, you know, listening to this podcast that are in their first years coming into Nipissing that, um, you know, work hard and, and the confidence will come. Yeah. Confidence, you can't, you can't really get confident when you don't put in that hundred percent. Right. Right. And so to kind of put this into something that might relate to other people was that, you know, I, yet again, something that I learned from Eric Young was, um, you know, nervousness right before a big match. You, you really can't get nervous if you put in a hundred percent that week leading up, right? Yeah. Nervousness comes from not being confident, but if you know, you put in a hundred percent during those days leading up to that game, that big game, you can be confident that you've done everything you could to control what you can control, right? So I think that might be able to resonate with other people listening into this podcast and something that definitely, even at this level here in Germany, playing professional, I still try to still continue to try to build that confidence and foster that in myself um, from a weekly perspective. Yeah. Like what you've been hearing so far? Make sure to follow us on IG at Lakers Locker Room and subscribe to our YouTube channel while you're at it, where you can find clips of all our episodes and video content associated with the podcast. Part two of the Lakers Locker Room starts now. So, first of all, I want to congratulate you on receiving your Master of Science in Kinesiology. That's a really big accomplishment. So that leads me to the next topic, brand sports performance. Talk to me about mm -hmm. it. What is it? How did you start it? Why did you start it? Yeah, thanks. Thank you very much for the, uh, thank you. Appreciate that, man. Um, Brand sports performance was, was something that, you know, came out of the pandemic really because, you know, I was having to transition everything online. And, and then I realized that I think that I want to get into being able to help cultivate athletic performance in the next generation of, of athletes. And so brand sports performance allowed me to put kind of like a, uh, a brand out there to for for any aspiring athlete that wants to look at bettering themselves from a from a strength and conditioning perspective from a nutritional perspective that this is a safe space they can reach out to me and i can provide you know education on them or provide them whatever whatever they may be in the in the broad umbrella of of, of sports um and so really it taps into strength and conditioning programming um it taps into nutrition education um, and, and hoping that in the, in the next years that it can also evolve into mental skills training as well to really tap into the, the four pillars of athletic performance. So we have mental skills training, we have nutrition, 
strength and conditioning and also capturing technical aspects of, of performance in, in sports-specific constructs. I first want to say, I think it's crazy that a lot of these businesses that I'm getting to know, people who started business, including myself, started through the pandemic. Like, this is what I talked about earlier. Like, a lot of people took the opportunity to see what they can do to get better, and you took the opportunity to start this. So congratulations on that. I think it's phenomenal. Um, just going back to the origin, like, where did your passion for nutrition come from? So the, the story that I kind of have ongoing is that, um, you know, I, I remember <laughs> Dr. Brenner Bruner one day had, had said in third year health class, Cam, you're spending like 13 or $14 on quinoa bowls, you know, and I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, it's good for me. And so I always knew that, you know, it was good that I ate healthy, so I performed well in the court. But I realized that I was broken, like broke um, financially at the end of my five years <laughs> athletic career. Right. So, so after that, when she had made it, she just said that the one day and it really stuck with me. And then I started to like make food on my own and save a ton of money. Um, and so that's kind of where it all started. And so it, it really just comes from under, like I knew from my, I think my degree that nutrition plays a key role in performance and, right. and also my family played a huge role in shaping that. I remember like on big track and field meets, my, my mom would cook me a giant pasta, you know, pasta meal before my great grandmother um, and, and grandmother Eva and Teresa would always fuel me. Specifically, my grandmother would always create these massive smoothie bowls for me. And so it started when in my childhood, really, but I didn't really understand the principles of it until I got to university. And then when I was financially, you know, wow, I need to start making my own meals and so forth, um, that I started to put the pieces of the puzzle together. And so, you know, and then, you know, talking with, with you know, up and coming, you know, youth athletes, as well as athletes at the OUA level, I realized really quickly that this was consistent across the board. Like a lot of people don't really understand nutrition. Yeah. They don't really understand how to cook. Um, and, and, but it's such a key component to often performance and recovery. And so I, I think really the passion is just to teach athletes how to fuel themselves properly so they can maintain a high level of play for a long period of time. Right. And so that's a little bit about the history about, you know, my involvement with nutrition and where, you know, where my, my perspective is coming from. For someone who was fortunate enough to learn, know a little bit how to cook when I was in my first year, this question, I'm so curious to hear about the answer, but I do know a lot of people who come into their first year not knowing, like you said, the importance of nutrition, right? Like a lot of people come in, you know, they'll order out, go to, you know, Subway, Wendy's, McDonald's, all that type of stuff, just because it's comfortable. Now, for those mm -hmm. who are really trying to take it seriously to really improve their eating choices to improve the performance, like for me personally, I just started doing meal prep at the time I was recording and meal prep's been really, really good. Like I've really seen the improvement. I've really seen, like, first of all, it cuts a lot of time because yeah. when I was my first year, like I had eight to 10 practice PM practices. Like I come home and cook. And I'm realizing like, I don't want to keep cooking at night. So I'm like, I'm too tired. Like, I, got, I got class the next day. Like, I don't want to cook tonight. So that's yeah. when I started doing meal prep. But the question I have for you is for those who are coming in looking to do meal prep, really looking to improve their eating habits to improve the performance what should they look for specifically? What are some tips that you can give for, say, the 19-year-old freshman looking to start doing meal prep and improving their eating habits? Yeah. And so this is one of those things that we could go in so many directions with this question. And so <laughs> maybe I can give you a couple tidbits of, of where we could start. So I, I think that 
first and foremost, if we look at this from a financial perspective, is that you will save more money going to the grocery store and buying those foods that you enjoy. And so, you know, taking advantage of coupons and flyers and the flip apps, so you can really save a lot of money over your five-year tenure at, at university. Um, I think secondly is, is really, if you're someone that doesn't eat a fruit or a vegetable, it's just try one of them. Just try something that you think you might like, you know, there's no sense of not trying. So maybe your weekly goal is to try one vegetable or one fruit. Maybe your daily goal is to add one piece of protein to one of your meals. So what chicken breast, eggs, or so forth. Um, And I think another key philosophy and something that's easily said, not easily done is try to eat the rainbow. And so I think that at the end of the day, if you could try, this is not eating Skittles, but if you can say that you had, if you had, if you had a yellow vegetable, if you had maybe a blue fruit or you had some like green vegetables, well, yeah. and really trying to get the rainbow in your, uh, in your diet every single day, that's going to really help you to promote optimal health and performance. And so those are some key, key, key really minimal surface level things that someone can do um, to help with their nutrition and, and ultimately their performance. So, so re- revising that. Okay. So, you know, understanding grocery store, getting, you know, meal prep stuff in terms of flyers, flip apps, things like that. Secondly, what I mentioned was eating the, you know, trying to add and incorporate something new. So whether that's a new fruit or a vegetable on a weekly basis, um, and then thirdly, just trying to eat all varieties, so different colors uh, in accordance to the rainbow. I think it's super, super easy analogy, um, and it's worth a shot trying to. It's worth a shot trying to obtain. Nice. Mm-hmm. Are there like any? Like I, I think I feel like I know the answers, but are there any like kind of um, real like meals that like really stick out in terms of really people want to improve their um, who want, for example, like, I know like chicken and salmon, like really favorable ones that people love to use based off your experience, what foods have worked for you personally and other clients that you had that really helped to improve the performance of the athletes? My, my go-to man would be like a smoothie. I think smoothies yes. for like the, for the, yeah, you like smoothies? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that I think those are super easily attainable, and you can make them taste relatively well. And so, um, I think that would be my my one suggestion to you know the student athlete body was that you know you can get some fruits in there, whether it's mixed berries or blueberries or strawberries. You add a liquid in there; it could be milk, it could be um, water. You know, I tend to stay away from juice, but in this case, you know, maybe yeah, add some you. type of liquid, and um, you know, and then. I always try to add like a handful of spinach or kale. I know it seems daunting, but it really is. You can't taste it um, really? in, in a smoothie. Yeah. And so I always try to add a little bit of greens in there. So like smoothie or uh, spinach or kale in the smoothie. Um, and then we can start getting maybe a little bit more. So I add a protein powder, whether it's a vegan protein powder or um, an animal-based protein powder, just because we're all athletes and we want to make sure that we want to obtain um, our protein needs. And then you can get a little bit fancy with it, right? You can add, you know, maybe some flax seed or chia seeds or hemp hearts or wherever you may be. Um, But that's kind of like that next level. Um, But overall, smoothie, can't go wrong with that. Um, You get a good serving of fruits, maybe a serving of vegetables, like I've mentioned. um, And you get some good protein in there as well. I have a really important question. We talked about this on another episode earlier this season about 
body fat. So a lot of people, I've seen this a lot. We talked about this. A lot of people, when they want to lose, say, belly fat, you know, a lot of people are really impatient with losing belly fat. So they'll try to work out for maybe a week, do crunches, whatever the case may be. And they're thinking like, man, why am I not losing weight? I'm glad they're here because I wanted to ask this. I wanted you to confirm to see if this is true or not. What I read was, if you are trying to say lose body fat, you're trying to lose belly fat, you lose fat, but you're going to lose in other places of your body first before you, your stomach. Because I heard that your stomach, your stomach uh, fat cells, like the most stubborn fat cells in your body. So like, so I've seen, for example, like people will lose weight, like in their face, their biceps, their arms, their legs, but it'll, the last place that they'll lose body fat will be in their stomach. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Um, I can't say for certain because I think from like a biological perspective that everyone has different places where they store and hold fat, right? So you and I are different. I might, I might hold, store fat on my hips and on my, you know, the sides of, of the back of my obliques. Maybe you hold it in your biceps and in your face. I'm not sure. But I think that everyone is a unique case. And I think it takes, you know, a, a, it takes a little bit more investigating than that. Um, but although, you know, if we talk about losing body fat, if I will, you know, it's a, yet, yet again, a very holistic picture. We have to make sure that we're staying hydrated. We're getting, you know, at least eight, you know, seven or eight hours of sleep that we're, you know, following some type of, of an exercise regime, as well as, you know, looking at some of our nutritional principles, such as eating like a whole foods uh, type diet. So um, lots of factors play into that in our ability to lose stomach fat and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The final question I have is for you, right? And before we get to quick, it is mental health is a really important aspect of being an athlete. And currently we're seeing a lot of stuff going on, you know, with Simone Biles and Amy Osaka, um, a lot of people are like, kind of bashing, especially Simone Biles, just because of, um, you know, like she she said she needs to take a step back. The same with Naomi Saka. A lot of people are saying, oh, they're their biggest quarter in sports, they're this, they're that. Like, as someone who wants to play sports, or sorry, as someone who, who's currently playing sports, who's a student athlete, just talk to, like, to, for the person that right now that doesn't know sports, doesn't understand. Just talk about how vital the mental health aspect is to sports. And also just since you're your food, your nutrition background, just talk a bit about how the mental aspect of the game can also kind of affect your food choices. I, I think that the way that I'll answer this question um, is that in my perspective, sport has really just helped me with my mental health through its ability for me to be able to relate to others in a group. I find that just that ability to have people of like-minded nature um people that are supportive are on the same goal um has helped me to maintain a positive you know a positive mental health um you know i i'm not one to speak about mental health because i I think that i haven't had a a specific instance where i've struggled with mental health so it's hard for me to speak about it right I've, i've dealt with a little bit of anxiety um and, you know, I've been able to, to help, you know, I seek out a, a social support worker um, and, and spoke a little bit about that. But I think that, you know, some of these, the, you know, the, the best people to speak about mental health is the ones that have actually been with it, because it's really hard for me to empathize what it's like to have depression or things like this, um, because I haven't yet experienced that. Um, all I can really say for those individuals that might not be in the sport field is that you know, sport has allowed me, exercise has allowed me to relate to other people and has provided me with support and networks that allow me to, to be the best version of myself. Um, 
And, and, you know, when I had a bad game that, you know, I might feel a little bit anxious that I've been able to talk to my coach. I've been able to talk to my teammates and they've really helped me and supported me through those, those times where I'm feeling doubtful in myself uh, and things like that. Um, and, and, you know, the whole topic about mental health and nutrition would be a podcast on its own. Um, <laughs> you <know. laughs> so, you know, the, the best kind of advice that I could give would just be, you know, at the end of the day, can you, can you, you know, answer this question? And did you, could you say that you ate more whole foods compared to refined foods and packages and things like that, that are, that are high in sugars and fats and more, you can say that, you know, I ate some vegetables, I ate some fruits, I ate some fatty fish, such as salmon, that is really good for the brain and the cardiovascular system. Um, that, you know, that you're doing yourself uh, favors and that you're in the right direction, right? So, I mean, without tapping into the specific construct of, of nutrition, just to keep it surface level, um, that's kind of where I'm at with, with the talk on mental health and, and athletic performance, as well as just sports in general. Well, Cameron, I really enjoyed this conversation. It's really great to have you on. So thank you so much for coming on. So now I'm getting to a quick hitter segment. So this is the part of the podcast where I suggest a question and to answer as fast as possible. So Jason, not this episode, so I will be writing solo for this one. But um, Cameron, these are pretty simple questions, nothing crazy, but um, just do the best you can, okay? Okay. Okay, here we go. So Cameron, first question, who is your favorite musical artist? Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, let's say Drake. Drake. Oh, okay. Whoa, okay. Uh, artist or song on repeat right now for you? Oh, it's a German rap song. It's called, uh, I have to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's called Roller by Apache207. It's a okay. German rap song. Okay. Fire. <laughs> okay. Uh, all-time favorite album? I don't think I have one. I don't think I have a favorite album. I just kind of listen to singles. Okay. Um, favorite athlete? Honestly, after watching the Michael Jordan documentary, I think that was pretty uh, pretty amazing. Um, I'm very independent in my in my yeah. We'll say we'll say Michael Jordan. Okay. Um, last show you binge watched? Oh, Formula One on Netflix. It was phenomenal. Yeah. It's the F1 series. It was pretty sweet. People keep telling me to watch Outer Banks. I got to check out Outer Banks. The last year was All-American. Uh, I got hooked on to All-American, so I'm waiting for season four. Hopefully by the time this okay. comes up, season four is out. But yeah, people keep telling me to watch Outer Banks. Have you watched that show or heard about it? Or? I heard about it today. I heard it. Uh, yeah, I think it's okay. I, I just heard it. It was um, from a friend. Um, so I got to I gotta check it out. But, uh, uh, yeah, I don't like binge watch. So the Netflix thing, though, like when I start a series, like I'm like i can't stop watching it it's like addiction it's like yeah me too I'm, I'm very addicted me too and me so too. i try to not start series because like the f1 series i finished in like four days yeah I, and I'm it's like, like yeah. 30 episodes yeah exactly terrible oh well, hey man hey if the show's fine i'm gonna keep watching it i'm sorry like, yeah we're we're athletes we're, we're not supposed to be on netflix you know we're supposed to be in the gym <laughs> i'm hey, joking man. that's that's a <laughs> Uh, if you could spend a day with someone dead or alive, who would it be? Mm, definitely my girlfriend, Avery. Oh. <laughs> uh, this is a personal question for me. So, girlfriend said yes. So, I hope you say yes, too. Do you like pineapple on your pizza? No, I can't. I don't. I can't do it. What? 
She said yeah, yes, so and you said no. Whoa. Yeah, she. Yeah, she's she's a weird one. She's the weird one. I, for some reason, pizza is meant to be like salty and like I don't know. And then you throw salty, pineapple. It's, it's different. See, I oh, see, it's different. It is different. <laughs> no, I, I, I've like uh, if I have a pizza, like I'm getting. Like just like yeah, I just like it yeah, greasy and cheesy. Okay. <laughs> and the ones from arugula are bomb. I don't know if you had arugula pizza, but like the, <laughs> there's like a chicken that's a tori, I think, with like pesto and chicken oh. and oh my gosh, man. Oh, that slap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, oh, so man. we finally got someone on the podcast to say this. So milk before cereal or cereal before milk? It really depends. Like, I'm like, I think I'm always, it's different on the day. It depends. But I would have to say cereal before the milk. Okay. Uh, what okay. do you do? Milk. What do you do? First. Milk? Really? But and, then microwave, splash, and microwave. But you splash the milk when no, you put your that's what I'm saying. I've done it for so long. And people say, how do you know how much milk to, like, put in a bowl? Like, Justin, when you do it for, like, 15 years like or, like, 10 years, like, you know. You just know. Okay, then if you were to make a smoothie, is it protein before liquid? Um, I usually put the liquid first and then put the protein. But the last okay. couple, the last couple of days, I have been putting the protein for just because sometimes um, because I use a magic bullet, so there'll okay. be times where like it kind of overflows. So, like I'm trying to see like what works. <laughs> That's like a process of like trying to find the perfect balance. Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. I've been there. I've been exactly. there. Uh, next question: What's a song that you'll never forget the lyrics to? These are tough. I didn't know there was going to be so music heavy. Um, man, I can't think. I honestly couldn't. I have to look at my phone right now, my Spotify. Hold on. Uh, excuse me, miss. Yo, excuse me, miss by Chris Brown. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, man. I like that. I love running and give me that. The Lil Wayne remix. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, Next question. This is this is when we added this season. If you had to stay on a deserted island, what three things are you taking with you? Woo! Gotta have water. Mm-hmm. Or unless, like, yeah. I mean, do you get a pump, or do you get like, uh, do you get like, oh, so you have to have water. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Water. I'm thinking of this from a survival mode. Water. Hmm. Fire. Okay. I have some type of fire. Okay. First thing. And a fishing and a, and a fishing rod. Okay. That was pretty clever. Uh, next question. What's one skill you wish you were good at? Oh man, I want to be a good singer and a dancer. Me like too. I wish I could. Me too. I wish I I wish I could do that so badly. Imagine just being able to be so rhythmic, and like. Yeah. You know what? I've ever seen Step Up 2. I have not, but I've heard of it, though. I've heard of it. Oh, and, like, imagine, like, being at the club or being at the boat or whatever in North Yeah, Spain, yeah, yeah, Like, yeah, a yeah. song comes on, and then you, yeah. like, break down a freestyle, and everyone's just surrounded you in a circle, and you're just like... Yeah. There's actually a movie I watched in the summertime my brother put me on. It's called You Got Served. It had, like, the memories of B2K in there. This is, like, back in, like, 2004. So, like, that's a pretty good movie called You Got Served. Same thing, like, dance okay. crew, people surrounding, everyone doing pop and lock, and, like, it's actually pretty cool. So cool. It's cool. But now, Chris Brown is a so dancing or singing? Dancing or singing? Would you singing want to, would you rather? 
singing, singing? singing hands yeah. down, hands down. Okay. I can dance yeah. a little bit, but singing hands down. Okay. <laughs> hands down. And that is and that is our most popular answer too. So this one is usually Jason's question, but I'm gonna do the best I can explain it. So say you're in an alternate universe, saying you like different timeline, like if you weren't doing what you're doing currently, what would you be doing? I'm kind of living my best life right now, Tejan. I'm doing like, you know, I, I feel like maybe I'll play a different sport. Maybe I'll yeah. be like a different sport. Like maybe playing basketball. I, I, I love basketball, to be honest, or baseball. Um, so, yeah, I think I'd, I'd be in a different, you know, sport. I like that. Um, final question. And this, uh, this is another song question, so sorry. But um, if you did write a song about your life, which famous artist would you want singing it? Wow. Dude, that's a that's a good question. I like female art. I like female vocalists. Yeah. That's a little hint. I had to it had to be super energetic. Like a pop singer of it's like Lady Gaga. Yeah, like a pop. Fears. Yeah. Yeah. Um definitely super energetic. Sorry, these are not quick answers because these are like difficult to answer. <laughs> like, you want to got Cindy Lawford, Christina Aguilera, like you got a lot of options. Maybe Christina Aguilera, like she can she can really hit some notes. Yeah. Her she's fire. And she's one she's one of those people I've said before that don't need like vocal like editing. Like her, Ariana Grande, Demi Lovato, those are those are like singers. Like they don't need all this video, this um vocal editing, like or uh, auto tune. Maybe Christina Aguilera. I think I think she has some good tunes. I think I, I think it's a good answer. I like the answer. But that's all the time that we have. So Cameron, man, I really enjoyed having you on to talk about nutrition. Thank you so much for coming on and making time out of your busy schedule. I really, really appreciate it. Hey, you're welcome, man. Thank you, Tejan, for having me. And I look forward to having a future conversations. Um, for sure. If you ever want to tap into nutrition and have a podcast on nutrition or or athlete-specific stuff, I'd be more than happy to to support you and the Lakers family um, and speak about some of that stuff. No doubt. No Thank doubt. you very much. No doubt. I'll definitely take your run. I appreciate it, man. And that's a wrap on another edition of the Lakers Soccer Room. I want to thank our guest, Cameron Branch, for joining us. You can find the videos interview on YouTube and listen to the full interview on all podcasting platforms. Thanks, Cameron. You're welcome, Tejan. Thank you.